everyone, Alana here, and it's been a lot of fun making this podcast. I get to talk about what I love, meet some really cool people doing it, and I have total creative freedom. Are you interested in making your own podcast? Go for it, and go for it with Anchor. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And best of all, it's free. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hey, folks, and welcome to what I can't believe is already the sixth episode of Girl Presses Play. For those of you who have been listening since the series premiered, thank you, thank you, a thousand thank yous. You do not know how much your support and your ears and attention have meant to me. It's been really, really wonderful to have you guys along this ride. So... We may be wondering at this point what our sixth episode is, and I thought we would take a look at kind of a crowd-pleaser genre, which we took a look at a little bit before in episode one with one or two of the movies, but now we're going to take a much closer look at. Today, we are talking about the action-adventure movie. I thought this would be a good genre to take a look at now, especially because with Netflix being our home within our home are basically a limb for most of us (laughs) at this point because it's so necessary for our lives in quarantine. Over the last couple of months, some of the top-rated genres in regards to Netflix streaming have been action films like The Old Guard and Extraction and even when theaters were open, Bad Boys for Life and Birds of Prey were pretty big hits. So I thought it might be time to take a look at how action has changed over the years. It's interesting because there is something to be said about the fact that people keep on going to action-adventure movies because the conventions very much stay the same. Die Hard, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, any Michael Bay movies, you go into these films pretty much understanding exactly what beats are going to be hit. But what I found when taking a look at today's movies is that the action movies themselves haven't changed, but it's really the heroes of the story that have changed and how they kind of interact within the world that they're in. So today we are looking at a classic and a new classic. We're going to be taking a look at 1938's Robin Hood and 2018's Black Panther to see what we can learn about the action genre through them.
before we get started, I want to thank everybody who donated to the Patreon October donation drive to honor Chadwick Boseman. It's really wonderful to see people finding it in their hearts to give whatever amount they can in this really stressful time. So with your help and your support, we were able to donate $25 to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and $25 to Howard University. So again, I can't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. And now on with the show. I think out of all the movie genres out there, action-adventure movies are really products of their time and the social climate that they're in. And the Hollywood studio movies that came out during the Great Depression were very reflective of the times they were in, that they very much provided the escapism and little dose of happiness that people really, really needed at that time. Movie writer and advocate John Farr put it really, really well in an article from 2015 where he said, The movie industry's triumph in the 1930s lay in giving the public what it wanted to see. Its product was a therapeutic diversion for millions of Americans who needed to get away from their troubles. By providing this crucial relief, American films reached a pinnacle of influence at a time when most other industries were struggling mightily. And he also points out some very good kind of tangible factors for why Hollywood films were able to be so successful as they were during the 1930s. One of the biggest reasons being that all of the talent was in-house. So directors, writers, actors, they were all under contracts with the Warner Brothers and Paramount Studios and United Artists of the day. So it's not like today where, you know, during a pandemic, it's really hard to get every single actor in the Avengers together for a movie because of different contracts and scheduling conflicts and et cetera, et cetera. So Hollywood was in a very influential and powerful position, which makes total sense why 1938's Adventures of Robin Hood was such a huge success. And while it was a huge financial success, I think it's really interesting to take a look at it as just a movie. I think the movie was great for its time and it's definitely the kind of story that people wanted to see it was fairly familiar most people in the western world are familiar with the robin hood legend and also it's about a charming good guy that steals from the rich and gives back to the community of people that need it the most so i think people really responded to that style of heroism That being said, and I feel like there's going to be a bunch of film purists out there because this is one of those movies that's on every AFI top 100, you know, thousand movies to see before you die. But it's not that great. I think one of the biggest issues I have with this movie as a film is that there's really not a lot of tension because Errol Flynn brings an astronomical amount of bravado to this. And there's also a bit of a Gary Stu quality where he's just so good at everything he does and he's always just one step ahead of the bad guys that you spend the entire movie never really worrying about what's gonna happen to him. And I think because of that, the pacing doesn't feel fantastic either because you can't really... You can't really edit a movie for tension and thrilling pacing if you're not ever really, you know, if the thrills and the tension and the obstacles aren't actually written into that. And from what I researched about this film, 
There also might have been a few many cooks stirring the pot. I think one of the biggest stirrers was the film star, Errol Flynn, who apparently on top of his creative and personal issues with the director, Michael Kuritz, there were also some artistic things that he took issue with and because he was the big star of the film he got his way so apparently Errol Flynn apparently didn't want to have his hair styled in the original way that they planned so they changed it for him and to go back to some of that bravado in one of the actors biographies about making the film he apparently also found the role really boring but he didn't really try to kind of raise the material or do anything with it. So I think a bunch of things kind of combined to make the film beautiful in that classic Hollywood sort of way. But the film is very one note. There are the but there are the good guys and there are the bad guys and all of the issues and all of the problems seem to be isolated to this this small kingdom in England. And I think there's also something to be said about the fact that the hero is very singular is the word I'd like to say, where yes, he has people helping him, but somehow he still gets all the glory. A great example of that is Maid Marian basically committing treason to make sure that when King Richard comes back to town, no one actually tries to hurt him. But she doesn't really get a lot of credit for that. In fact, most of the credit goes to Robin Hood for the actual savings. So... It's a very antiquated film, but I do think it's very representative of the kind of hero, the simple, understandable hero that people were looking for at that time, which is why, even though it went about a million dollars over budget back then, it still went on to be wildly successful. Now let me see. There's a fat old captain of the guard down there with bow legs. Mm, If I drop on him, that'll bend him outwards. Ah, there's an archer. No, he's too thin. I might miss him altogether. Robin. The very thing. Five men at arms talking to group. They'll break the fall beautifully. Goodbye, my lady. Robin! Yes? Please. Then you do love me, don't you? Don't you? You know I do. Well, that's different. So we fast forward 70 years later to 2018 when Black Panther came out. And just for a little bit of context, Black Panther came out a few years after the 2016 election, as well as the Oscars So White campaign. And of course, unfortunately, it is prevalent a few years after the killings of Eric Garner, Philando Castile, and Sandra Bland, and many, many other young unarmed Black men and women. So with all of these socio-political elements happening at the same time, it completely makes sense that the movie Black Panther, with almost an entirely Black cast and crew, very much centered around Black culture and Black history and empowering Black men and women's voices, it makes total sense that this movie just went ballistic at the box office and, you know, showings were sold out for months. But I also don't want to say that that's the only reason this movie took off. It is a fantastic film. Everything is executed to an incredibly high level of quality. One of those elements being the screenplay. I thought the way that they use the superhero story of King T'Challa becoming Black Panther as sort of a more dazzling 
metaphor for King T'Challa coming into his own as a leader, I thought was really well done. And you can see that reflected in, I don't want to say little moments, but not the big action set pieces. A great example is when T'Challa is in the lab with Shuri and she's showing basically the difference between his father's Black Panther suit and what would be his own Black Panther suit. It's really a reflection of how you know, you don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There are some traditions and things from your predecessor that you do want to keep. But then there's also a healthy and a really important way of taking what was done and making it your own and doing what's right for you and your country or whatever you're leading in the present moment. And that's also very reflective of what the movie did for action adventure movies. It very much took the classic Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and very much put a different spin on it that we hadn't seen before, or at least seen in a very, very long time. First off, the biggest and best update. We all know him and love him. The Dora Milaje, and especially Okoye, their general, as well as she's not Dora Milaje, but Nakia, who's basically a badass Wakandan spy. I mean, just the amount of wonderful, powerful, smart, interesting women that are on screen. And a friend of mine brought this up, comparing Black Panther to Wonder Woman, and she brought up a really good point. This is with no due respect to Wonder Woman. I love Wonder Woman. But she did bring up the very good point that in Wonder Woman, the reason that the women are warriors is because there's no other men around so they kind of have to be but in Wakanda they have the option to choose men as their warriors and in some ways they kind of do they have the border tribe that is Wakabi Daniel Kaluuya's character's tribe but in terms of their army they choose for it to be led by women and armed with women and I just loved seeing how much of a level playing field in terms of how much action and authority the women had. I just love that so much. And that's def that is definitely an update from Maid Marian, as well as many, many other women who were basically written to scream and be saved by the male protagonist. But I also think that probably the biggest update is how uncontained the story and the journey is and that the story isn't only contained to Wakanda in the way that Robin Hood was very, very much about the kingdom of Nottingham. You know, a big part of the film is how the actions of one person in one place affect everywhere and everyone else. Sure, there's a lot of globe trotting in different films. Hobbs and Shaw is a great example. It takes place in like four or five different places or you know, Lara Croft Tomb Raider always has some cool exotic location. The idea that one place can really affect things on a larger scale, I feel like hasn't really been explored in action films. It's maybe been kind of contained to political dramas, which in a lot of ways Black Panther is, but we've never seen that political of a message in an action film with this big of a release and a budget and cast and crew. And I don't think every action-adventure film and every superhero film has to have this very specific message and has to be about changing the world for the better. 
But I do think Black Panther has an awareness of the reach of its film. I think Black Panther and the team behind it definitely had an awareness of what they had in their hands and what they could do with it. And I feel like the film is kind of speaking to that as well, that if you know you have certain power, it is your responsibility to do something with it, not just for your friends and family and for kind of the person in the moment that needs saving, but you can use your power for the world that needs saving. Film critic Jamil Moore puts it really, really well. He says, this is one of the many reasons Black Panther is significant. Film critic Jamil Moore wrote this really great article about Black Panther a few weeks before it came out for Time magazine. He wrote, This is one of the many reasons Black Panther is significant. What seems like just another entry in an endless parade of superhero movies is actually something much bigger. It's a movie about what it means to be both Black in America and Africa, and more broadly, in the world. Rather than dodge the complicated themes about race and identity, the film grapples head-on with the issues affecting modern-day Black life. It's also incredibly entertaining, filled with timely comedy, sharply choreographed action, and gorgeously lit people of all colors. And I think that's really important to note about action-adventure films, too, especially with a film like Black Panther, is that in terms of entertaining an audience and also affecting an audience, you can have your cake and eat it, too, which to me, is what makes it just miles ahead of a film like Robin Hood. It can be complex, and it can also be wildly entertaining. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. So I think when comparing these two movies, or any two action movies for that matter, from different time periods, it's really important to remember that when the movies change, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the audience changes more and more people want to relate to their protagonists rather than just admire them. To me, this is really apparent in the increase of relatable content stars, you could call them. So people like the Try Guys, Liza Koshy, and until fairly recently, the editors of Bon Appetit. So while Black Panther's T'Challa does have a lot that makes him much more idolized, you know, royal lineage, awesome gadgets, of course he has fabulous handsome looks and a demigod's physique. His struggles and his insecurities and his journey to trying to really be a better person and a better leader for that matter is what makes us able to kind of project onto him and relate to him through our own through our own insecurities and our own struggles to become better people. I do think that's why action-adventure movies are really important, not just as films themselves, but also on the wider stage, is that they're not only films that people rewatch a lot, but they're films that are seen, especially nowadays, by millions and millions of people. So I think it's really important for the action-adventure film 
to continue evolving and changing as much as the audience evolves and changes. But I do also think it's important that for every Black Panther, it's good that we do have films like The Adventures of Robin Hood that we can access and rent to see, you know, how much has changed and maybe how much hasn't changed in this very, very widespread genre. So the next time you either go see an action-adventure movie or choose to rent an action-adventure movie on a streaming service, really think about which one you're putting your dollar towards. Because the one you put your dollar towards is the one studios are going to try and make. So if you think about it, you really do, as a moviegoer, almost have as much power to affect change as Robin Hood or King T'Challa does. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. A very special thanks to our Patreon supporters, John F., Variolo Fencing, LLC, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl presses play.